Okay, this is Tom Suter, the founder of ATARC, and we are at the bottom of the hour. And uh, welcome to our Thursday afternoon after lunch IT webinar series. Today we're going to look at talking, uh, we're going to talk about the Federal Infrastructure and Operations Guide on Delivering Availability, Compliance, and Cyber Resilience During a Crisis. And we'd love to welcome all the attendees today. Um, thanks for uh, joining us today on a Thursday afternoon. And I definitely wanted to thank uh, Tara Blair, Tiana Abdaholian, and Greg Butler and the rest of the Zerto team for making this possible. They've been a great partner, uh, really care about the federal community. This afternoon, we're gonna hear from our speakers, uh, pop in a poll question or two, and then answer your questions. And then we're gonna close out with a presentation from uh, Greg Butler, who's the systems engineer at Zerto. And uh, real quick, we've got one uh, of our panelists hasn't joined us yet, but we expect them on shortly, but we'll start, uh, we'll, our first uh, panelist we'll have today is Kevin Coyne. Hi, Kevin. Uh, Norman Spiker. We got Norman there for, with, his, with his background uh, for the Department of Homeland Security. And then we've got Lon Gowan in my lower left pane um, out of Florida. And uh, we have Greg Butler with Zerto. And uh, we'll get right into it. But first of all, I just wanted to kind of set the stage for what we're going to talk about today. I my my experience in cyber resilience came when I worked for a company, and uh, we had the, it was back in the 90s, right when I got out of college and I'm in IT, and uh, I had to be the person who took the tapes home every night. So uh, if there was any kind of issues with our with our systems, we had to bring that tape back in the next day and probably take about a week to upload it and, and, and get the system restored. Uh, those might have been the good old days, because right now uh, with cloud computing, and we don't even know where our data is. I mean, we, it's very difficult to know because one day you might have it in, in, in your cloud, you might have it on your bare metal. Uh, things are evolving and changing all the time. We're doing a lot of DevSecOps. Uh, things are, your system's changing all the time. There's lots of revisions, so how can I, if heaven forbid something were to happen, I've got to restore that immediately and find out where the last uh, good state was. Uh, you know, a lot of the, and, and then we've had this pandemic and uh, somebody forgot to tell the cyber criminals to slow down on us a little bit. We're a little bit busy, but we've seen a lot of ransomware attacks, a lot of uh, hits on our websites. And uh, every once in a while, something bad is going to happen. No matter what you do, no matter how much you invest in it, Somebody's going to click on an email link. Something is, is going to happen. And, and what do we find out? I was looking back on it. It was about a year, to, year ago today. Uh, the city of Baltimore had a huge ransomware attack. Um, $18 million later, untold disruption to their entire system. They're, they're back. Uh, but it, it's still having ramifications for that and, and their services to the citizens. So we're going to go ahead and like get, get things going and, uh, Maybe Kevin uh, Coyne, you can bring your perspectives uh, to this conversation and what you're seeing over at Department of Commerce. And uh, happy to have you. Great. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's uh, definitely appreciated. I know this is a, a critical area and a critical need for the nation in terms of what it is we're doing uh, for cyber resiliency. Obviously, it's a goal and we're out there every single day trying to pursue it, making sure we have a solid uh, cybersecurity uh, program in place. Uh, my background, um, just kind of starting off, uh, studied finance, management information systems for my undergrad, uh, took all that information, went and flew helicopters in the Army. Um, <laughs> so it's a different background, but the operations management is critical, whether you're on the battlefield uh, or whether you're, you're not in the battlefield. I mean, the, um, this is a fight. It's, it's continuous. It's, it's out there. We have to build our organizations to be, to be resilient, right? Whether it's a, a military unit, whether it's a corporate company, whether it's your own uh, federal agency or government agency, you have a mission to deliver. The, there's a business need. Every line of business has, has a dedicated goal. And, and it's your job, obviously, as a cybersecurity professional to ensure that they can deliver on that, that business need. And, and they're going to find a way to do it, obviously. Uh, so it's your job to make sure they can do it in, in, a, in a manner that makes sense, in a manner that, uh, that they can do, um, do what they need to do, right? So I mean, those are sort of the, the challenges. I know each agency is different. For commerce, it's pretty much... Uh, everything in the kitchen sink so we have a, a wide gambit of, of of missions from the census to the patent trade 
to where I'm at now, Bureau of Industry and Security. So export controls, export enforcement, uh, really it's B2B primarily, uh, as opposed to VA where it's, you know, the government to veteran type arrangements and, and other agencies. But for us, it's, it's B2B. It's how, making sure that American companies are, and government's open for business so we can deliver on what we need to. So cyber resiliency, you know, you have to live it. Otherwise, you know, businesses are, are not going to get what they need to, to do to, to help the American economy to, to progress where we need to be. Yeah, and, and Kevin, one little follow-up before we move on to Lon. Uh, you know, what are the special challenges you have is, in the Department of Commerce when you have lots of different sub-agencies and you're working at, at OCIO? Um, maybe illuminate some of those and sharing best practices and, and, and that type of... Sure, sure, absolutely. So the, the big thing, most federal agencies, right, so you're, you're used to driving downtown, commute downtown, the Herbert C. Hoover building, uh, you know, 14th in Pennsylvania every single day. Uh, 1932 was the world's largest building before the Empire State Building opened. So you have all these workers in this massive building. Oh wow! And then, and the next day, get, you know, you're you're going remote, right? And so everyone's got to got to be there. What is the resiliency? You know, what is the pipe? Can the pipe handle it? Can all these um, other aspects of everyone working remote? How are they getting in? How are you getting the devices for them? How are you getting their their phones? Are they having to use personal devices for phones? Like, so you've got to think through the whole gamut of IT services. To make sure they're supported and supported in a manner that that's fitting and then one that follows the acquisition rules is going to meet your your fy20 budget right so you're going to see all these right. that you may not have planned in your budget may not have planned in your acquisition process and you've got to be able to respond for that luckily you know we're not spending two hours a day commuting anymore so you so it's gonna you got to put some effort in right you got to get some you got to get your organization to where it needs to be um to be thinking about that so it's not just the current operations, it's future operations, and then the realization to say, okay, this is where we need to be. How do we get there? And how can we uh, get our organization to meet the demands of the business? Because uh, for, for commerce, at least, the B2B businesses are still operating. What can we do to, to help them be successful, to help them get them the tools that they need, uh, whether they're trying to export an item, whether they're trying to uh, get an exclusion on a piece of steel that they're importing as part of Section 232, whether uh, they're trying to get a patent done, whether they're trying to just fill out a census, you know, so all those things you've got, you have to be thinking about, how do we support it? How do we maintain our resiliency? Uh, how do we get our workers to work, to be productive? And how do we deliver for the U.S. economy? Great, great. Our, our next panelist is Lon Gowan, and I, a couple things about Lon that are pretty interesting. Well, one is he is the chair of our Emerging Technologies Working Group. So basically, we try to dump every kind of new and emerging technology, and, and Lon, Lon handles it. And also, Lon changes his hairstyles quite frequently. He had the, the kind of the long-haired look, but he's, he's altered his hairstyle like I did uh, for the coronavirus. But um, th thank you, Ron, for coming. Hey, Tom. Hello, everybody on the panel and everybody that happens to be joining over the Internet. Uh, yeah, we do have kind of exciting times. And uh, continuity of government, continuity of operations, cybersecurity, and all those wonderful things uh, become kind of a pretty big player. So uh, at USAID, uh, we're we're keeping up with all that and and doing quite well. The um, I think one of the things that will come out of out of all this is uh, is agencies. I think will get a little bit better handle on those items, right? How do we do continuity of government right. when everybody is basically forced to be somewhere else? Um, you know, at least in my mind, when I think prior to, you know, the COVID-19 experience, continuity of government, continuity of operations was, oh, you know, some event happened, not really this. And, you know, a select few people would go somewhere and, and you know, they would try and continue the key elements you know, of, of the operation of the mission of the agency or the company. And what we see here is, is that it's, it's, it's a little bit different scenario where we're trying to continue all operations, right? And, and not just key functions or ones that might be in a coop plan. So that puts, you know, kind of like Kevin was saying, it puts a pretty heavy load on the infrastructure and everything of a country or state or, or a local, you know, municipality. And so I think we saw some of that, uh, uh, you know, people that are on the webinar and stuff probably can recite occasions where phones dropped, where they couldn't even connect on a yeah. phone call and things like that. So yeah, looking forward to the discussions and um, I'm glad to, to be here. Back to you, Tom. Yeah, 
quick follow-up. Uh, you have a unique scenario, not well, not unique state and, and Department of Defense. You have to deal with these infrastructures in other countries that may not be as robust as ours. How, how have you seen that, especially during pandemic, uh, when they're, when everybody's trying to access services online and, and being at home? Have you have you noticed a significant change? Yeah, so there's um, it's always a challenge for us and other agencies that have, you know, like state, you know, commerce even. And, you know, a lot of people have folks, you know, around the globe, DOD especially, right? Um, what we're seeing is, uh, the situations that kind of pop up that you wouldn't have pop up normally. And that is a hundred percent telework, right? Pretty much uh, right. with social distancing. So that brings with it some pretty interesting problems. One of which overseas to answer your question is um, not always does somebody have really good internet access from wherever they live. And so if I'm in, you know, South Africa or Ethiopia or Thailand or someplace, I go back home, I'm normally, you know, I don't have to worry about teleworking, maybe. And so now they're having to do this 100% of the time, and their internet service at wherever they live is insufficient. And so trying to come around those barriers and find other providers uh, during these kinds of situations, this is the kind of stuff that's going to pop up and, and we need to have plans for in the future. Back to you. Right. Thank you, Lon. And Norman, let us know about your experiences there at DHS. And I was particularly interested in, in how do you deal with other folks outside your environment? Actually, it's, it, the question to Lon, um, I see a lot of similarities because one of the things, so first and foremost, my name is Norman Spiker with DHS. Uh, my, my, most of my experience, um, professional experience has been in, um, uh, IT architecture of PSAP systems. So anything that PSAPs and or public safety run from CAD to RMS to GIS to, um, you know, any plethora of mobile or, or information systems um, I've generally been involved with. Um, S&T, uh, at S&T, we specifically um, identify capability gaps. Um, so the particular area that I'm, one of my big projects that I'm working in now are, is dealing with uh, collaboration and um, back to the point at hand, we do see very similar, in a very similar fashion, we do see great disparity in the, the CMM, the, the sort of IT maturity of agencies, because there's wide, wide disparity. You know, from those agencies that deal with the, the federal government on a regular basis and are up to, you know, a DOJ or a DOD standard in terms of security and, and rigor, uh, and then you have the more rural, less, um, you know, certainly smaller budgets, um, less skilled personnel, perhaps that are dual-hatted. They're they're an officer during the day. They're IT support at night. Um, that are the opposite, right? The opposite end of the spectrum. So um, very much what some of our projects are trying to do is is level set, provide a framework that we can build on, and we're using a collaboration platform as that lowest tier of entry. Um, recognizing that if we can cr create a secure, resilient environment there, then eventually we could bring other sort of uh, PSAP systems into that framework and, and grow the consistency across agencies to be um, much more uh, robust. Yeah, and, and it seems like we've learned some of the lessons over the last few years, the Katrina, the forest fires. Uh, it seems like America, unfortunately, sometimes we have to learn the hard way on, on some things. So, or repeat, uh, right? It, it, yeah. So we, I guess you guys are applying every time, every time there is something, it seems like you guys have, have applied it to and try to improve it for the next situation that occurs. Certainly you, you have it exactly right. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it is disappointing in their times that you don't, uh, you can't avoid having build from the ground up again. Um, but certainly with the GII and various resources, we're trying to put things in place that are maintained rather than having to be spun up at the, you know, at the critical moment when you need information, you need data, yeah. you need a secure platform. Um, you know, they, it's, it's run the gamut in terms of successful and less than successful, but that certainly is much more pervasive in all of our programs. Great, great, fantastic. And last, but certainly not least, uh, Greg Butler, uh, we'd love to get your perspectives. You have the opportunity uh, to work across government. So you see a lot of what the government is doing. And I know your Zerto does a lot on the commercial side as well. Welcome. 
Thank you. Good um, afternoon, everybody. Greg Butler, systems engineer with Certo. Um, so I've I've got uh, history in IT going back to to 1999. So Tom, I was I was the guy dealing with the tapes um, as well. Um, <laughs> Your tape guy. Huh? See them. I was a tape guy. Yeah, still see them today. Um, but uh, it's definitely, thankfully, decreasing in use. Um, and I, I love how you said that that you and Lon, um, you know, have a longer haircut currently. I'm clearly winning shaggiest uh, panelist award. Um, I have not seen my barber in, in about three months. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I heard a lot of points here um, that, that we're seeing all across the, the commercial and, and federal space. Um, you know, I, I spent time doing federal contracting, um, mostly at the SBA. I actually uh, did a little stint, um, Kevin, down at, at Department of Commerce. That is a massive building, by the way. Um, I, I liked being able to get into the aquarium with my commerce badge for free, by the way. That was really, really cool. Um, but um, yeah, did did some, some active directory assessment stuff down there. Um, but I've also been uh, on the commercial side. I've been on um, uh, more recently before Zerto, uh, cloud managed service provider providing uh, FedRAMP compliance services to the federal government. And you know the the challenges that are sort of being exacerbated now. You know I heard from from Kevin. You know availability is a challenge. You know, home networks are getting slammed. Um, circuits to uh, to agency buildings are, are getting slammed. People are going to to hyperscalers, right? For that reason, we've seen a, a surge in requests. Well, how can how can I get to, to Azure? How can I get to AWS? Because they, you know, they have the scale. Um, they've run into some issues as well, right? With, with scaling up. I mean, right. Teams is seeing unprecedented, um, uh, you know, surges, just like Zoom and WebEx and everything else. Um, but one of the other things that that is really being highlighted in this is something Lon said. Um, you know, it's not just mission critical things that are being affected. It's it's all operations, and that's something that that we oftentimes you know try to drive home. You know, across commercial and and federal space, there's not really mission critical systems. There's there's business critical or agency critical, mm -hmm. um, and when things start to break down like this, you realize. Um, you know, all those systems are, are even the supporting ones that tier two and three are are, are very very uh, important. Um, so this is this is great great insight from you guys, and you know, I can say that we're we're seeing much of the pains that that you're feeling as well. Great, thank you, Greg. And I'm going to ask some questions of the group, but feel free. We have a Q and A. I know there's some uh, reporters out there. Uh, if you if you have any questions, just feel free to do that. We're going to do a poll in a minute, but uh, maybe we can drill down into uh, we've over the last ten years we've really I think the federal government's really embraced cloud computing, and there's a lot of great capabilities. Um, you know, especially when you have a an environment that's all over all over the world, as as everybody on the call has has dealt with. What are some of the challenges of backing up your data and uh, having resiliency in, with cloud and restoring it to the, to that state. Um, if anybody wants to chip in, ch chime in on that topic. What are the, what are the challenges that we do have with the cloud computing? So I'll just jump in unless you want to go ahead, Norman. Yeah. No, I was just going to say it's interesting in my uh, personal experience, the um, agencies, PSAPs are evolving to embrace cloud computing. So they've got the unique situation where they've historically owned their infrastructure, or at least the larger agency have. And to embrace the new technology, oftentimes they've had to merge or, or consider a hybrid um, of both their own data center and or databases, you know, infrastructure and, and merge that resiliency and that backup across both in-house and, and, and cloud-based which has created uh, an interesting sort of dynamic. Kevin? Right. Yeah, ahead, definitely, just, I mean, as an operations manager, you've got to go in and say, what is the workload that we're putting on there? How much did I allocate in my Azure costs? Now that it's shifted, do I need to go back and ask for 
you know, reprogramming, do I need to go ask for some sort of budget shift? Because I was anticipating this level of workload uh, as part of my, just my cloud computing costs. So, you know, we're not, um, yeah. when I was in DOD, I worked for a rapid acquisition group, uh, the joint ID defeat organization, uh, you know, and their, you know, their budget, my budget now is really like a rounding error. Uh, <laughs> so what it is now, when you're a smaller bureau uh, and your budget is a certain amount, you really have to take a hard look to say, okay, how are we controlling costs? How are we controlling cloud costs? Uh, what, what are these shifts doing it from a cloud management standpoint? I mean, I, I get the weekly Azure bill and I'm looking at that and seeing where it's at, who did what. So just making sure that you, uh, that you sort of have a really strong portfolio management. You take that sort of enterprise perspective of what's going on across my enterprise. What are the changes that are happening? How do I adapt to, for those cloud adjustments that I know are going to happen? Um, you know, so how can I forecast to make sure that the folks are aware of the, of the coming shift and, uh, is it just one quarter? Is it six months? Is it for the next year? How are you managing those loads and who's looking at the costs? Uh, so when the bill doesn't, when the bill shows up, you know, 30 days later, you're like, Ooh, that was my, you know, so it just, man it's really managing, it's managing that billing and understanding your forecasting model and working with your finance team, you know, step in step to make sure that, that they're there to support you. Yeah. One of our working groups in the, in the cloud working group specifically is, is looking at the bills and comparing them. If you thought your telephone bill was hard to comprehend, wait till you get a cloud computing bill. Um, okay. We are going to do a poll, Madeline. Why don't we try to uh, put one of our polls out? Now, everybody can answer this really quickly. We tabulate it. We're not gonna say what you voted for. Uh, first question, has your organiza organization implemented any new IT security measures in the midst of increased threats from COVID-19? Very good question. Um, how confident, number two, how confident are you in your agency's current ability to recover data and applications in the event of a disruption? We're getting right to it on this poll. We'll give it a second. All right, Madeline, let's close the poll. There we go. 46% is quite a bit, I would say. Um, somewhat confident, 51%. What do you think, panel? Does this surprise you? Is this what you might think it would be? This doesn't surprise me at all. Um, so, you know, the security boundaries have completely changed in the midst of all of this. Yeah. I mean, you've got you know, folks at home dialing in with VPN clients to, you know, networks that uh, yeah. may be highly secure. And um, I mean, it, it requires definitely new technologies to, to monitor and, and ensure that those systems yeah. are compliant. So I guess the following question is, what has changed in each of your agencies? Um, if, if anything inside your agencies that you can point to that you had to change a couple things, either yourself or your CISO or, or what have you that you know of in your agency. Because a lot of these stories we don't know yet. You know, it takes a little while for these to bubble up, but I think it would be helpful to the people on, on the webinar. Anybody want to add to that? I mean, I think just one of them is just license count, making sure you're not, you're not violating any of your, your software asset management. Because typically, if it's a snow day in DC, um, how many people are coming in on your network, right? And then you say, okay, well, that's 24 to 48 hour period versus the same period, right? So you've got to go make sure you're doing your license, your software asset management appropriately as it relates to license counts. And so that's probably the big, that's a big one right there, just making sure you have enough licenses to, to cover the folks who would usually be in the office and not be, you know, remoting in. Um, and then if a, if a device goes out, how do you, how do you do device management uh, in terms of, yeah. End of life device, you know, migrating from Windows 7 to Windows 10, or whether you're um, doing some other sort of updates, how do you get that device in into the hands of your of your IT service team to, to manage? So you've got to sort of, it's all about adjusting your business processes to support the, the new norm uh, in terms of what is we're doing. So, you know, there's, there's current ops, which is just, okay, everyone's working remote, let's address the immediate, but if there's a future ops to say, how are we looking at our future business processes to support a higher percentage of remote workers and what can we do to help 
them be successful from home and, and it's getting ahead of, you know, again, I'll go back to when I was in DOD, the Joint ID Defeat Organization, it's getting ahead of boom. How do we help the soldiers know where an event's going to occur before it happens, right? So it's getting ahead of right. the events. It's that future ops planning that you really have to, to take into account. You know, I'm, I'm curious how many, many of our agencies that I, that I touch on have accelerated their um, either push the risk downstream um, or, you know, managed it in some way that I'm not familiar with, but have accelerated their adoption of bring your own device and other paradigms that they weren't terribly comfortable with. Yeah. Um, I don't know that they've necessarily embraced it or that they've fully prepared for it, but they've been forced to um, accept it. Um, either that or as we refer to, you know, operations come to a halt because it's, it's not just critical ops, it's ops in general. Yeah. yeah it's how do you get a new, new CAC or PIF card? Before I used to go into the agency and where do I get that now? How do I pick up my laptop? Um, just some basic things there. How about you, Lon? Anything you might want to add to this? Yeah, so um, I'll add that uh, I used to do tape drives too, Greg and Tom. So uh, <laughs> mine goes all the way back to probably, you know, 1983 with a Honeywell 6620 mainframe with uh, seven nine-track vacuum tape drives. Well. Come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I, hey, I even did card punches. Let's take a survey on card punches. Um, but no, me no, there. No. <laughs> hey, I even did paper tape readers for a while, so that's going way back as well. Anyway, um, yeah, from a cyber perspective, you know, changes, uh, you know, what we're saying and, and what I'm reading, you know, acro across the realm from agencies as well as private sector is that, uh, you know, any event like this basically provides an opportunity for attacks. Um, phishing attacks and, and whatever, right? Because people want to know, Yeah. right? Um, this particular one, because it's, uh, it's kind of worldwide, it's, uh, I think it's especially, you know, appropriate for, for the bad guys and, and the people just out there trying to have fun, a little malicious fun um, to, to get in, right? It's, a, it's all over the world. So it's something, you know, an easy one is, is obvious, right? Let's create a, an app that uh, tracks COVID, you know, and we're going to insert some yeah. nice goodies in there for them, a nice Trojan horse kind of thing. And so that's the kind of stuff that, you know, I think agencies right now are kind of warning folks about. Just be careful, you know, not to use these kinds of sites, go to trusted sites. The usual stuff we do, it's just that people have a tendency to forget when one of these crises hit and, you know, they just go out and say, oh, man, let's grab the latest news. What's the latest news? Oh, this website has some good stuff. Oh, shouldn't have gone there. Um, that kind of thing. So that's that's one. And the other one is just kind of, you know, just to remind people um, we're, you know, a little more frequently on, on stuff like this, just to be cautious. So those are kind of some of the big ones um, from our perspective. Back to you. Great, great. We actually, we got a question um, from the, a real good one from uh, our, 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 the audience here. What IT architecture frameworks will need a revisit with the big push to remote capabilities such as VPN, MS Teams, Mattermost, et cetera? And do you see more of a, a ZT network architecture, DevSecOps approach to making sure the right data gets to the right right people? I mean, I heard a lot of, we, but this is like our fourth webinar. I've heard a lot of tangential things of, of things not working. Um, anybody want to take a first shot at that one? I'll take um, you know what I'll take a stab yeah. at it first. Um, you know, the uh, I'll ring off of one of the things Kevin said earlier as well. There, there's all these things, and Tommy, you brought it up also. There's all these things that go on in agencies that we're so used to doing in person. Uh, you mentioned laptops. Uh, you know, we're, we're talking about cell phones um, uh, because of you know issues in the past, shall we say, with um, with with anthrax and things like that agencies and companies have central receiving and, and sending facilities, right? So they can kind of check packages as they come and go. That's, right. that's you know, those things get closed down, right? Um, depending on the agency and stuff. And so then how do you do these things, right? How do you check things? How do you deliver stuff? So that's that's the one. From the architecture side, um, I think what, what, what people are going to see is uh, a new look at VDI and, and virtual desktop infrastructures and how to do that 
you know, effectively, uh, especially if you're talking about, you know, agencies that have a worldwide presence like USAID, state, you know, and others. Um, and then depending on the number of people, right, you, you need to have, I think what, what probably a lot of agencies and companies saw during this and are still seeing is scalability, right? Um, our architectures, you know, had a different view of scalability prior to COVID-19. Um, scalability was, okay, we can pretty much predict what's going to happen. Nobody's ever predicting that there's going to be a mandatory remote work policy that everybody has to follow. Right. And so now you're putting a load on the system, like we talked about before, that just wasn't there. It's also going to stress uh, what we used to think in our architecture was norm. So back to you guys. Um, we've got another question. How is working remotely limited? Has working remotely limited remote workers and using business applications in order for them to do, do their work? As agencies try to move specific applications to the cloud, it's almost impossible to put all their business applications in the cloud and then manage it, right? I mean, we have a mix in the federal government. How How is moving all these remote workers and you're used to having this system and, and you're in the building and, the, and it's on a server in the building, I guess, something like that. Does anybody want to comment to that? I definitely think it causes the shift more to like, okay, what, what can we do in terms of things in the cloud in terms of application rationalization to say okay what what really needs to be on this can we go to like a hyper converged infrastructure solution that you can manage remotely really from anywhere versus having physical servers that you have to go touch uh, i know we've looked at managed service providers I mean, so it's sort of changed our, our future operations and, what, and how aggressive we were planning on getting there so i think there's definitely some some really nice solutions that are out in the marketplace right now um, that we've taken a lot harder look at than i think we would have um, where we would be at, I think at this point, uh, where I thought I would be in FY20 versus where we thought we would be in FY21, 22. So just sort of the, how do we, it is really that acceleration of, of those technologies that are out in the marketplace. Corporate America's, most corporate agencies, bigger companies have already moved to, it's just a matter of like, what, can I get there faster as a federal entity given my, my existing budget? What can we do to, to accelerate certain applications that, or, you know, if you look at other, other solutions from, what should be in a FISMA moderate environment versus FISMA high. And you look at Microsoft Office, Microsoft Azure government, which is FISMA high, what are AWS version, obviously, uh, and other versions out there. What are you doing? What should be in a FISMA high versus FISMA moderate environment? Does that change? But it, it all really comes back to that application rationalization of where should this data really exist and how hard is it for it to get there? And then how hard is it for the, the business user to get to it? How hard is it for the government user to really access it, those data sets so they can get the work done. And at the end of the day, it goes back to give the business what they need to do what they need to do and do it in a way that makes sense. Yeah, I don't know how, I've been on a lot of projects in my life and I, I still remember, oh, we're gonna have the server under this person's desk in a federal building in, in DC. Uh, that's, not gonna, that's not gonna cut it. Uh, you're not gonna have somebody to go turn it on every time the, the application hangs up. Uh, let's do one more poll. Madeline, can we do one more poll? All right. Have security and data privacy concerns significantly delayed your IT monitors initiatives? That's an interesting question. Uh, and also, what are the biggest challenges in meeting federal modernization requirements? All right. We'll give it a second here. Um, all right, let's, let's call it. Let's call it on this. Can we, okay. That's actually pretty good. I mean, I've, you know, I've been doing this now for a while and uh, usually when you're trying to do some IT modernization, I think one of the things is the security always comes in. Wow, we can't put it in the cloud because of security. Uh, so I think maybe that that that's might have changed from the last five years. Uh, it's hard to say. Biggest challenge meeting federal modernization requirements, cloud first initiatives, 43% hardware modernization, containerization. Any takeaways we can take from this? Anything I, surprise our panelists? I think at least at, I can only speak for S&T and I think our data retention policies still lag I think uh, um, PII is still a big hurdle to overcome, and I've had repeat conversations again and again, and that tends to stifle our 
our migration probably more so than any, any other issue. Just understanding the nature of the data and, and whether everyone's comfortable and maybe in the way right. that Kevin suggested, what's really required in terms of the level of security. Right. Anybody I'll else? Real quick. Yeah, I'll jump in real quick. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the the security one seems about normal to me, I guess, maybe a little bit low. Um, that was question one. I mean, normally I've been in a lot of agencies, as you know, and um, typically what I see in IT security is uh, is people running around with shirts on that, that have on the back of them just say no. And um, and the idea is, is that IT security uh, and other areas for that matter, um, I'm, we're picking on them right now with this question, but other areas are, are similar. Um, sometimes we just forget to use common sense. And, and, and people, you know, and that's one of the things that's kind of the theme of, of this particular webinar is, you know, let's make security decisions and other decisions based on risk, right? And that's where things are kind of migrating with this cloud smart idea is let's let's yeah. get back to the to the risk management of things. And 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 we forget that we get so wrapped up in our process and procedure yeah. that we that people, you know, it's almost like a, a stupid checklist where people forget to think, you know, and that's OK. Yeah, you don't have that check fail. Whoa, 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 what? Um, and that kind of thing. So that may be some of the stuff that drives question two on, you know, the cloud first initiative stuff and why that number is pretty high is because as soon as you start mentioning some of this, depending on, you know, the people receiving it, they just aren't sometimes thinking with common sense. So that's, that's kind of my perspective and my experience. Back to you guys. And I think just right. on there, right, because right now it's really, we're looking at the FY22 budget proposals that are going in and, and one of the biggest changes I've seen just in the submittals is like, we have to make sure the business is getting what it needs from an IT standpoint. And the, the business does a better job of understanding IT. So when, when you first said cloud, like, Ooh, that's scary. And you're like, okay, hold on. And now I think that the tone has changed because they become educated, right? Like if that server is in behind desk somewhere and that guy's not there versus an SLA, like in an Amazon data center, right? And you have a set SLA under contract to do a certain requirement, you know, it's getting updated. Right, so I think it's just sort of, it's educating the business to understand what IT is. I think business has gotten a lot smarter in terms of IT in the last three to five years. I mean, I think it's night and day from where the conversation started when I first joined the Commerce Department to where they are now. It's how do we get there yeah. yesterday, right? I mean, so there's, there's definitely a, some significant changes and I think the business, the business has to drive it, but the business needs to know what the options are, are that are out there for them to, to really help them out so you can help them make the business case. Well, I have a really, really perceptive question coming in. I, I'm not, I don't attribute, attribute these, but it, it's what advice do you have for agencies? They probably have a roadmap. They're going to the cloud. They mean to. And now we have COVID-19 and they have to go to cloud on their applications almost right away. And uh, with the remote capabilities, how do you do crisis uh, IT modernization? Uh, and we've seen it happen many times. We've seen the SBA had to stand up a website to uh, do the paycheck protection program. What what advice do you have for folks that have to accelerate this IT modernization? Uh, I, th I think most of the agencies have had a little bit of that. Yeah, I think you have to adopt your platform, right? So you've got to sit there and say, what's our platform? How are we managing that platform? Are we trained to have a team in place that can manage that platform? And then really just platform adoption versus these one-offs of a, of a of a single website, right? You've got to say, okay, can the IT team, is the IT team in place to support that platform? And can we scale that platform? And we should know how to scale it. So I think it's, it's more platform adoption and a more holistic approach to how you're delivering your services. This is long. I would say, on that one. Um, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, sorry, go ahead. I'll follow up after. Thanks, Lon. Um, you know, ideally, you, you want to look at the different applications, see what fits. Um, in public cloud, you know, rationalize it, you know, make it as cloud native as possible. We don't really have that luxury right now, right? So, um, you know, it may be a matter of, of a lift and shift into public cloud for the time being, just to give the scale, you know, at, at the compute storage and, and particularly uh, the bandwidth layer, because that's, that's what is really um, choking us. Um, you know, we're going from, from one gig 
10, 40 gig connections in these offices to everybody having one gig connections, um, trying to connect back into an office, um, maybe over a 10 gig connection. I mean, the, the math just doesn't, doesn't work. So in the very, very short term, um, you know, lift and shift into public cloud, rationalize it, figure it out later, maybe, uh, unfortunately, an approach that has to be taken. And Lon, you wanted to chip in on that? Yeah, so it's um, it's it's a tough thing to try and 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 do quickly. Um, it just depends on on the application, the system, uh, and and we never want to forget the uh, you know the old phrase, right? The haste makes waste, right? The devil's always in the detail is another one. So it really boils down to the specific system. If it's a sy simple system like Greg's talking about, to you know we can forklift in and we can scale it easily to meet whatever you know the need is um then then that's you know probably an acceptable alternative if it's if it's something where we need to basically establish an enclave and and one of the public you know cloud service providers such as aws ibm whatever azure um then then getting all that set up and doing it well and meeting you know one of the themes of this webinar uh you know cybersecurity, cyber resilience uh, you, you don't want to leave a, a big, you know, gaping hole in a new enclave you're standing up. Um, uh, somebody can get in there and own you before you know it, and you may not find out for years. So um, we just need to be a little bit careful and deliberate about how we go about doing that. Back to you. Yep, yep. Okay, uh, we're getting closer to the end and the beginning on this. Maybe we can go through uh, each of the panelists and uh, – Maybe some last second thoughts we didn't get a chance to discuss on this topic. Can we uh, maybe start with Kevin? Sure. So I think the big thing here is remember just cyber resiliency is a goal, right? You got to work with your business. You have to know how you, what the, what does the business need and just get your team just really dialed in to deliver on that service. So when they walk away, there's a deep appreciation for the IT team and they see IT as a partner. And that's the big thing is having strategic communications yeah. up and down with leadership, communicate, 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 whether it's with the CFO, with your, your, your undersecretaries, your assistant secretaries, your, your help desk, your contractors, they all need to be on the same page, that the same enterprise perspective to be able for you to deliver with a goal of cyber resiliency, because the mission is going to continue. The big green yeah. mission rolls on, right? So, you know, it's, it's, it's there. You want to make sure that you're, you're there to support it and they view you as a, as a, as a partner in this, and you want to make sure you can um, deliver on that goal. Okay, Norman? I'll just say I'm, we're, I'm, I'm anxious to learn a lot of the lessons learned with this acceleration that's occurred during this period, um, because I think it will help to um, baseline at least our, many of the agencies that we deal with and, and overcome some of those uh, historic impediments that have, have long sort of slowed embracing um, cloud computing, cloud resilience, um, at least yeah. from, uh, you know, again, from a state and local perspective. I think you're right. I think that that Monday morning quarterback and uh, they autopsy of this thing, you, you see people got some incredible things done rapidly. And why can't we maybe not be so much crisis management, but we should be accelerating what we should be doing the right thing anyway. You know, honestly, Lon, I think, oh, I was just going to say, Lon, I ahead. think yeah, yeah. We, we lose sight of the fact that it is risk management and, and COVID has forced us to focus on the fact that this is, this is risk management and, and some risk has to be acceptable. Um, you know, it, it, as you said, the going in position can't be no because we can't function with no. Great, great. And Lon? Yeah, so the, um, you know, from a cyber perspective, I think uh, what, what Kevin and Norman and everybody are saying is, is on target. The, what we're going to see is, um, number one, you know, we, we've already noticed what kind of things the bad guys are doing, just being aware of that. And then number two, the risk management idea is, is really the key. Um, if we're, if we're going to migrate stuff, we're going to do it quickly. In some cases, we really can. Um, and it, it goes back to my prior thought of, you know, let's just do things that make sense, common sense, right? Uh, we don't need to always follow the checklist, you know, every time if, if we can make a decision and eliminate part of it, right? 
So those things I think are really going to help in the future. Um, and I think the security piece of things, especially under crises like this, are, are hopefully going to improve and we'll see some policies and processes in that front across the agencies and the private sector go that way. So back to you, Tom. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Kevin, Norman, and Lon. Uh, we appreciate your inputs and we're going to turn this over to Greg and he's going to kind of walk us through, uh, we're going to learn a little bit more about resilience, uh, IT resilience. Are you ready to take over, Greg? I am. Thanks, Tom. Okay. Just a second, I'll share my screen now. Thank you all. Okay. <laughs> there we go. All right. Good stuff. Um, so this has been great. I want to. And thanks to the to other panelists, and this is really enlightening and, um, you know, gave some really good good talking points. So I'll try to expand on, on some of the things that came up, you know, ongoing initiatives across um, federal space, um, but also, you know, obviously things that are more relevant given the current situation. Um, so we're, we're living in a life disrupted. We all know that. Um, you know, things are accelerating. Microsoft has seen, you know, two years of digital transformation occur in the, in the last two months. Tom mentioned that, that you know, ransomware is, is up 150% um, since, since COVID, you know, broke onto the scene. Um, so everybody is, is challenged across commercial, federal, and in our personal lives with with living in a in a life disrupted, so I'm going to try to tie in how how Zerto um, can hopefully address some of those ongoing um, needs and 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 current pressures. Um, we are uh, at our core um, a cloud mobility disaster recovery and backup uh, IT resilience platform. So, what does that mean for for the federal space? So. I'm not going to go through this acronym and, and initiative soup. Um, you guys all know what this stuff means probably a lot better than, than I do. Um, but you know, we, we touched on a number of these four pillars today, cloud governance, cybersecurity, and, and modernization. So you know, where Zerto seeks to, to assist federal agencies um, across those pillars, condensed into these three main buckets. So continuous availability, this is your traditional uh, business continuity disaster recovery use case, right? So you're protecting against facility, infrastructure, outages, you know, fiber cuts, power hits, whatever. Um, ransomware, again, on the rise, unfortunately, you know, it, it's not a matter of if, but a question of when, um, as a lot of folks say. Um, and this all ties back into, you know, your, your governance and, and cybersecurity postures. Um, you know, how are you protecting your data? What's the distance between your data centers? What's your, you know, recovery time objective? Um, you know, what's your recovery point objective? How much data can you, can you lose um, in the event of a, a, you know, physical disaster or, or a ransomware attack? And one thing that I would... Um, I would definitely strongly counsel on, and this came out in the poll, um, you know, 51%, I think it was, were, were somewhat confident uh, in their ability to recover uh, from an incident. I would make sure that there is a tie-in between what, um, you know, IT directors um, say they're going to implement and the, you know, the SLAs they're going to meet and, and what the expectations of you know, the, the agency CIOs and chiefs actually are, because a lot of times there's a disconnect there. I've seen that across commercial and, and the federal space. Uh, make sure you're, you're meeting those RPOs, those RTOs that you've got spelled out um, in, your, in your system security plan. Um, second bucket here is workload mobility. Um, so infrastructure modernization and consolidations. Those two things uh, have one thing in common, and that is disparate systems. Um, so this is this can be especially challenging in the federal space. You might be 
limited by you know annual budget but you desperately need to upgrade infrastructure on say your primary side maybe you wait till next fiscal year to get the secondary side that's a challenge a lot of times uh, because so much of the technologies out there need like for like um, zerto is abstracted away from that um, so we can replicate uh, between disparate systems um, be it you know different storage different compute etc um, so this greatly helps with an agency's modernization initiatives and, and the retirement of those legacy systems um, DevOps and, and testing. Um, you know, this is this is the future, right? Um, and everything that that can be done with with Zerto um, through the GUI can be done programmatically. So where this assists um, federal agencies, you have the ability to to spin up workloads um, in isolated bubbles. You can do this for. Um, for patch testing, uh, non-disruptive vulnerability scanning, anytime you need to spin up uh, an ephemeral environment um, to perform any sort of actions and then tear it back down. Um, Zerto is a, a fantastic use case in, in assisting with that, that temporary sandbox implementation. Um, last pillar here, um, I've got you know, DCOI data center consolidation twice because there's there's overlap right there's this is two sides of the same coin you're you're retiring your legacy systems um, in the second pillar and where might you be going might be going to, to public cloud um, so Zerto is is multi-cloud uh, we can protect workloads between uh, private clouds uh, up into public clouds as well for uh, for those hybrid cloud initiatives and the key here, um, you know, a, a couple of the panelists touched on it. You got, you got to be smart about going into public cloud. And I saw this in my, my uh, previous job. I was at a FedRAMP cloud managed service provider. And agencies would charge in, you know, we want to go to the cloud, we want to go to the cloud. Um, and we would, you know, do an assessment and, and, and steer them to where best their workload might fit. And, you know, if it's a, a mode one, so a traditional, you know, on-premise workload, it may not necessarily belong in the cloud. It might be too expensive. It might not perform well. So, um, you know, be smart about, about choosing where those workloads go. Um, Zerto has the ability to really make that a lot easier. Um, you can spin up workloads from your on-prem into public cloud with the push of a button. Um, have them isolated from the on-prem environment, so completely non-disruptive, and test test these workloads. See if they're going to work well. Do they work better in Azure or AWS? Do they not work at all? Um, and then tear them down. And if some do, um, you know, if they are suited for public cloud, you can use Zerto to to migrate uh, up into public cloud. And key, um, I think Kevin brought it up with the <laughs> looking at the Azure bill. Um, on a on a monthly basis, which I, I've seen them, they're terrifying. Um, if you get a, a workload up there and it doesn't work, um, Zerto has the ability to get you back out. Um, we're the really the only product on the market that can replicate you back out of public cloud onto prem on prem uh, at any sort of scale. Um, just high level, the the two takeaways on this slide here. Um, we're a continuous data protection product. So unlike uh, you know, competition out in the marketplace, we're not replicating data every 12, 4, 24 hours. Um, it's generally uh, in the area of 5 to 15 seconds. Um, so your, your RPOs, your possible data loss in a, in a disaster or ransomware scenario, very, very small. Um, and then the, the uh, box on top orchestration and automation. I don't care how cool the widget is that gets your data from point A to point B. If you can't bring up your workloads um, in a consistent and meaningful fashion in a reasonable amount of time, it's not of any use um, to your agency and to your agency's mission. So push button orchestration and automation is key. 
I'm not going to, I'm an engineer, I'm not going to get into the technical weeds. Um, what I want to highlight here is, is simplicity. Um, so Zerto is extremely simple to deploy. There are two components, a virtual manager and a replication appliance, and you can install both of them in about 25 minutes. Um, why is this important? Uh, last year, we had a, um, an agency a contractor at a, at a federal agency come to us and say that, you know, they were going down a certain path of, of providing a, a DR, meeting the SLAs that the, um, that the agency required, and they hit a brick wall. And they had had previous conversations with us and asked us to get us on, get on the phone and, and help them do a proof of concept. Um, we ended up deploying Zerto into the environment, replicating virtual machines between their two sites, failing it over, having them take screenshots, um, and failing them back to the original site. We did that in one hour and 43 minutes from start to finish. Um, so when I say simple, I do mean simple, and that is key um, to ensure that any product that you deploy in your agency is, is used and is, is used properly. Um, only thing I want to highlight here, there's lots of boxes, is that, um, you know, I mentioned we can replicate and protect into public cloud as well as migrate workloads into public cloud. Um, the key takeaway here is that the architecture is very, again, simple in public cloud. We have a ZCA or Zerto cloud appliance, and we write only to object storage in public cloud. And what that means to your agency is it's cheap. You're not running images, virtual machines, 24 hours a day in public cloud. Those only get created um, on failover uh, during a disaster or ransomware attack. So this is what we're driving for right here, this image. Um, so your workloads, your applications, wherever you need them to be, uh, between on-prem clouds, public clouds, or ideally um, in a, a thoughtfully uh, implemented hybrid situation. So Zerto gives you that, that push button capability um, to move those and migrate those workloads wherever they need to be. A uh, little bit into the the secret sauce of, of how we do this. So I mentioned we're protecting every five to 15 seconds with continuous protection. And we're doing that um, to what's called a journal disk. And that very simply is uh, likened to a, a DVR for your um, application workload. So you have the ability to roll back very quickly to a very granular point in time. So in this, uh, scenario, ransomware hits at 501 and 56 seconds, uh, you can roll back to five seconds before that occurred um, and spin those, those workloads up in a matter of minutes. And it's key to talk about, um, you know, where we really differentiate ourselves um, from, from traditional protection products. So, in this scenario, you've got four components that make up an application. And protection is typically done uh, in a serial fashion, right? I, I've had federal agencies actually tell me that their, their backups um, take three days to complete uh, because all of these systems are being done in, in a serial fashion. In this case, the app server is done at 11 p.m., database at 2 a.m., file server maybe not till 4 a.m. So right out of the box, um, you're potentially inconsistent when you go to recover those systems. So what Zerto is doing, um, and this is between your on-prem private clouds or up into public cloud, um, we are protecting those systems every several seconds, um, and we're keeping each of the components, each of those servers consistent to the exact same point in time, um, so that when you go to fail them over, they are exactly as they were five seconds prior to the incident um, in your primary environment. So, what I've been talking mostly about is availability, right? Ability to, to spin up workloads at a secondary site with the push of a button um, to, to keep your agency's mission rolling. The other aspect of data protection is um, 
pretty, you know, pretty heavily weighted in, in the federal government towards compliance. Um, and that's that's backups, you know, apart from maybe financial and healthcare industries, you know, government has the typically the longest retention requirements. Um, so we introduced long term retention. Uh, that's our answer to backups. We don't call it backups just because it works fundamentally different. Um, it's basically all occurring at the secondary site. There's no impact to production. Just gives you the ability to, to offload that replicated data to your secondary storage of choice and keep it for as long as you wish. Um, this can also be targeted towards uh, public cloud object storage. <clears throat> so you can send it up to Amazon S3. Um, and coming later this year, you can do the same for, for Azure object storage. So this is what you're, what you're getting um, with the Zerto data protection. You're, you're covering the short-term retention requirements, which you can see here within the first 30 days is where 86% of recovery and restorations come from. Um, and everything after that is a compliance checkbox, you know, Six years from now, I might need to pull a file off um, for for some sort of, of you know legal hold or, or customer inquiry. <clears throat> and wrapped around all of this, um, you know, short-term, long-term protection, data mobility is um, you know intelligent indexing and searching, so that you can find the files that you need, whether they you know got deleted five seconds ago or, or five years ago, and wrapped all around that is um, data protection workflows or automation um, to make that data usable in, in a timely fashion. Um, <clears throat> pictures worth a thousand words. So this is the Zerto main GUI. In order to recover systems, simply click the failover button um, you can choose the entire data center, a single virtual machine, or um, a single application. And then you choose your point in time. If this is a power outage at the primary facility, you're going to choose your latest checkpoint from, say, five seconds ago. If you're rolling back in time from ransomware, um, you're going to want to go back to an earlier point in time. You can see in this example, We've got checkpoints every six seconds. So you can roll back to a very, very granular point in time um, before the incident occurred. And then you click start failover. That's it. Um, it's literally five left clicks of a mouse to fail systems over um, from your primary site to your other private cloud site or up into public cloud, fully orchestrated and automated. The failover testing is it's a piece of what we do but it's a very important piece, particularly in the federal space. Um, you actually have to prove um, that you can perform your DR activities in the time um, that you state in your system security plan. So, <clears throat> you know, Zerto provides uh, reporting to this effect. Uh, anytime you do, do a DR test, we create a, a canned report for you. Uh, does not have to be branded Zerto, by the way, you can remove that. Um, gives you a full outline of everything that was performed. Um, you can sign data, hand it off to your, your CIO, external auditor, whoever needs to see it. Last slide, two slides actually. I know we're running a little bit long. Um, you know, this is the, the don't take my word for it slide. Um, we have a pretty substantial deployment across um, DOD, civilian, and intel in the federal government. So um, talk to your friends, uh, reach out, and, and see how, how Zerto has made their, their agency's mission um, a little bit easier, helping them sleep better at night, particularly in, uh, in the current, uh, current state. Last slide. Um, this is a lot less exciting than it was supposed to be. Um, our ZerdoCon was supposed to be at the Hard Rock Hotel in Miami. Um, now it's going to be in your living room or your home office. Um, but please come join us on, on June 10th. Uh, it's gonna be a half day session. You can learn more about the product. Um, you know, 
learn more about business continuity disaster recovery. Um, we're gonna be talking about um, containers, our support for that coming later this year, um, ransomware and, and workload mobility, migration up into public cloud. It's gonna be a, a, a great uh, half day packed agenda. So uh, please, please join us. That is all I have. I know I'm five minutes over yeah. our allotted time. So uh, I just want to thank everybody for for giving me the the 20 minutes here, and um, thank thank ATARC and and our panelists again. Yeah. Really appreciate it. And uh, thank you for those of you hanging in. It's actually we, we we've done pretty well, uh, even though we went a little over, but it was worth it. Thank you, Greg, for this. Yeah, uh, I definitely learned a lot through this process, and uh, this isn't one of those things you want to do after the fact. You want to get this installed uh, before you have that disaster. Uh, and uh, fantastic. Uh, thanks again for everybody, and we will see you next Thursday after lunch.